0: tonight on huckabee arizona republican nominee for governor carrie lake actor and director kevin sorbo a live art creation from the splat experience contemporary christian artist tasha layton that's trey corley of the music city connection and i'm your announcer keith Bilby, and
1: Wow, we've got a great audience here tonight and a terrific show that you are going to enjoy. So buckle up, sit back, and just have a good time for the next hour. Now, I don't know about your week, but i got to tell you, mine has been a blur of activity centered around watching my daughter take the oath of office to be the 47th governor of Arkansas. Ah. Now, for me, it really sank in when I was sitting in the House chamber and the oath was administered and I realized that she had just assumed an office that I had the privilege of serving for almost 11 years as the 44th governor. There was a whirlwind of inaugural activities for several days, culminating in the inaugural ball on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday night. But what a surreal experience. I-, I would say it's a genuine affirmation to see an offspring decide to continue in the family business, but it isn't the family's business. It's the people's business. It really is. And I'm proud of her because she's off to a great start. And on her very first day, she signed executive orders to ban teaching critical race theory in public schools. If you're not familiar with it, it's a crazy nonsense philosophy that teaches that America is bad and inherently racist. She also signed an executive order that pro- uh, prohibited the use of the non-word Latinx that refers to Hispanics or Latinos. Now, she did it in part because they hate the word more than anybody. And she put a hiring and pay freeze on state government to get budget and personnel under control. Well, I've been asked probably a thousand times if I'm proud of her. The obvious answer is, of course, yes. But look, I'm proud of all three of my children equally. It's just that for whatever reason, she's chosen to take on a job that'll put her every word and every move under intense public scrutiny. She'll do well. And while my friend Sean Hannity tells me every time I talk to him, that she'll be a much better governor than me. (laughs) My honest response is, I sure hope he's right. I really do. Nothing would please me more. Now, while that story occupied my time and focus, it was revealed this week that President Biden had kept some classified documents that ended up at some nebulous think tank at the University of Pennsylvania called the Penn-Biden Center, as well as in his personal garage next to his Corvette. (laughs) You remember this summer when 27 heavily armed FBI agents swooped in on Mar-a-Lago, former President Trump's home, and they grabbed documents that the Biden administration and the attorney general thought were so sensitive that they had to be rounded up right now. They even went through Melania's clothes closets, their son Barron's room, and all of the former president's personal spaces, including taking his passport. And then for a while, they denied they'd even done it till they had to hand it back to him. There were no pre-dawn raids on President Biden's personal property at his Delaware beach house by armed FBI agents, no rummaging through Jill Biden's clothes, Heck, they still don't seem at all interested in the contents of Hunter's laptop, which confirmed not only rampant drug use and sordid activity with prostitutes, but which revealed details of the shady business deals that Hunter had with Russian oligarchs and communist Chinese party officials, in which Joe Biden, now the president, is said to be getting his cut of 10% as the big guy. The documents that Biden had illegally kept were actually discovered November the 2nd. Now that date's important because that was six days before the midterm election. But this whole bit of information was kept under wraps and not disclosed until President Biden was far away in Mexico for meetings just this last week. Attorney General Merrick Garland even had the unmitigated gall to announce a special prosecutor to look into Trump's documents at the very time that he already knew that President Biden had kept classified documents from his time as vice president. Unlike President Trump, Joe Biden as vice president did not have the authority to declassify any of the documents. Merrick Garland appointed a special prosecutor to look into Biden's issues, but only after several additional sets of illegally kept documents kept turning up this week. I'll tell you, it's so blatantly bad that even CNN and MSNBC are covering the story. That's how bad it is. (laughs) Which is uh, proof, again, that there are two standards of justice operating in this country right now. One for Joe Biden and the Democrats in power, and a completely different standard applied to conservatives. I think it's time for Merrick Garland to admit he's not impartial enough to be attorney general, and he ought to resign at the very least at the very least he needs to end the partisan and hate-filled witch hunt on former president trump the taking of the house by the republicans i will say this it's a good start but until we get a change in the senate and the white house we might not see the kind of accountability that we must have and we need it now Well, we've got a great lineup for you tonight. Kevin Sorbo is going to be talking about a new Left Behind movie. Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake is here in our studio as well. And a whole lot more. It's a great show, so don't you dare go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back. On January the 26th, the highly anticipated new installment in the Left Behind movie series opens in theaters all over the country through Fathom Events. I want you to welcome back to the show the director and the star of Left Behind The Rise of the Antichrist, Kevin Sorbo. I want you over on the couch. That is unless you want to interview me. No, I'll interview you later. Now, what are you doing, by the way? I'm videotaping.
2: I'm going to give you a big plug in my social media.
1: Oh, I love this.
2: By the way, I'm wearing my Twitter jacket for those. That's pretty cool. For those who
1: follow me on Twitter, (laughs) those are actually my tweets in there. I looked in there. He's not kidding. They really are. I've never seen anything so cool. That's good fun stuff. You found a guy... You said in Estonia. He's in
2: Estonia. He's awesome. His name's Dimitri, and he does great... I was filming a documentary in Israel this past May. Yeah. He flew down to fit me. That's and incredible. he did, like, five suits. I got a Hercules one, and Andromeda one, and
1: all my faith-based movies one. I, I think now you'd need to get a Huckabee show one I, so I, that I, all I, of the interior I, is scenes from you
2: being on the show. got to bring me back a couple more times so we'll get more variety of pants and suits and things like that.
1: <laughs> I got to tell you... Uh, I had a chance to watch a screener of the new film, Left Behind, The Rise of the Antichrist. I really, really liked it. And I'm going to tell you something. People, when they see this, they're going to think that they're watching something that is happening Right now, it is like
2: in real time. There's no question. The, the writers did a great job. Paula Lin and Jessica Parker did such an amazing job on this. Other ones, they're the ones. It's Cloud Ten, based in Toronto. They've owned the rights to the books. If you guys have read the Left Behind books, they've been uh, for 30 plus years. Yeah, they've been you know making movies on it. This is our first movie in eight years, and uh, we made it very modern day. So you recognize, as you said, quite a few things that is going on in today's world, in our crazy world. And you're going to feel like. The rapture's got to be pretty close,
1: I think. But (laughs) you know what I think you did? You told this story of things that are happening in our world, but it didn't seem like that it was uh, outlandish. Mm -mm. It did not come across as being cheesy, not at all. In fact, I I found myself saying, man, this is like today's headlines. Yeah,
2: We got a great plug from Jerry Jenkins, uh, one of the writers. He said it's the best Left Behind movie he's ever seen.
1: I think it is. I think it's a good, good... Uh, reason for people to say, no, if you've seen them all, yep. you have to see it because you're in the series. But if you haven't seen any of them, this is a standalone. You don't have to have seen no. the other ones for this to make complete sense. No.
2: Please go to leftbehindmovie.com. Leftbehindmovie.com shows you the trailer of the movie. It shows you um, uh, the theaters near you. Just plug in your zip code, and uh, January 26th, we open. So please, we, we need the support to make these things out there because Hollywood is winning the culture battle, as you know. We're trying to fight back and do movies that got faith, love, hope, redemption, and laughter. I'm going to keep making those kind of movies. So.
1: And you directed this as well as uh, starred in it? I did. You brought uh, just a, a little clip from the film. Why don't you set it up and tell us what we're about to see? What's, you
2: know, it's interesting. My character, I play Rayford Steele, if you, know, you guys know the books, uh, the pilot in there. Uh, Nicholas Cage did the movie eight years ago. I took over Nicholas because who needs him? And, um, <laughs> and so, so this, scene, this scene deals with, I am now, it's six months after the rapture. And the world is—you got people that are denying it happening. You got people not trying to explain why it happened. You got other people, like my character, trying to find out why my wife, who was trying to tell me to follow Jesus all my life, and God, I'm following her trail. I go to the church. I run into the pastor. The pastor was left behind. And this is not right a good after... sign, by the way. Oh, just I know, I know. No, just... But I don't think I'll be surprised in a lot of the woke world that's taken over up churches today. <laughs> but that's another conversation. <laughs> Um, but uh, it's it's I, I I see him in there. We're having a conversation. I'm in his office now, and I'm trying to make a timeline for what's happening. And this is where the scene takes okay. place. Okay. And you know what else you find out on that day? What? Who the Antichrist is? He's the one that confirms the treaty. Until then, his identity is anybody's guess. So then, who is this Antichrist? I mean, is it Satan? Not exactly. The Antichrist is Satan's counterfeit
3: Jesus. He's sent here to lie and deceive. He'll say one thing, and then he'll... You know, for what? Forget it. I can't do this. What do you mean?
2: (laughs) Who am I to tell you what to believe? But but you know this stuff. (laughs) I never believed it. None of it. I I talked about God all the time, but... (laughs) I I was just one of those false teachers that the Bible says will show up in the last days.
1: Mm -hmm. I thought that that was a very powerful (laughs) way to present that there were people who have pretended to believe. Sure. And there's going to be a separating point. Yeah. Uh, You directed this as well as uh, the uh, starring role. How hard is it to direct the movie you're in?
2: You know, I actually started directing back in the Hercules years, so I've been doing it for a while now, and uh, I love it. I mean, if people say you got to choose one or the other. I'll still pick acting because I love to act, but it was uh, it was fun, and I, I had a great cast, a great crew. I mean, we have got Neil McDonough in here, we got Corbin Burnson, we have got Ben yeah. Chase, my wife, my son is in it, Braden, who was great, and he did in it, great, by he the did way. a great job in it. I, I like,
1: remember from a few years back, and I saw him, and at first I didn't recognize him. I said, oh "My gosh, that's Braden." That kid's taller than well,
2: you are. Well, he's 6'5 now. Yes. <laughs> like, I know, I'm 6'3. Both my kids are, both my boys are taller than me now. So,
1: But it was it's very well done. And I think one of the things people will recognize, some uh, major Hollywood actors that are in it, you just mentioned a few, but yeah. they carry the film very yeah. convincingly. Yep. What do you hope people get from it?
2: I, uh, I hope that it motivates people to actually go read the Bible again. Maybe read the book Revelation. Mm. Because I remember reading as a 12-year-old kid, uh, and my pastor back at time recommended it to us in our confirmation class because he said, if you read that book, it'll scare the hell out of you. Mm.
4: So
2: <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. And so um, when I read as a kid, it did, it was like blew me away. Then as I've gotten older reading it, uh, it's, it's an amazing book, and uh, I hope people will maybe you know, compare it to what's going on in today's world with what that chapter talks about right now.
1: That'll scare them. Yeah, Newspaper one hand, Bible in the other. Yeah. It's, it's pretty obvious that something's going on yeah. here, and a lot of it was predicted. Uh, but, but I just want to tell you, I thought it was uh, brilliant the way you oh, handled thanks. it. Why is it so important that people go to the theater to watch this film?
2: Um, like I said, I think it's a wake-up call, and I hope people will, will support it. Because the biggest thing we're battling right now, and I think, is that, you know, the, the culture is run by Hollywood and mainstream media. Yeah. And uh, Andrew Breitbart said at first that I heard it, you know, that politics runs down soon from culture. And you see what Hollywood's putting out there. You see the type mm-hmm. of movies they're putting out, the type of TV shows they're putting out, and the agenda that they're forcing on us. I want to, like I said, I want to do movies that are, are more uplifting. I used to get stopped all the time because of Hercules or Andromeda. I get stopped all the time now and say, "Please mark m- more movies like God's Not Dead, mm. Soul Surfer, and Let There Be Light." And I'm going to keep doing that because I love doing it as, as well. I feel this is my calling. This is what my way of trying to harvest. Because I get people coming up to me and say, "I was, I became a Christian because of your movies." That wow. just, that just is amazing to me.
1: Got to make you feel good. Left Behind, The Rise of the Antichrist opens in theaters on January the 26th. Please head to Huckabee.tv. We will help you connect directly to get tickets through Fathom Events so you can make sure you go to that. And we have all kinds of ways to connect you at Huckabee.tv to the projects Kevin is involved with. Keith, what do we have coming up? Keith is not there. <laughs> Keith is gone. Kevin, is the, I... You I, mean we're left behind Keith i Keith <laughs> Let, let me tell you something. If Keith is gone and we're here, something is really messed up. It's really, really messed up. Uh, maybe you can tell us what we have coming up next.
2: That's, that's why you gave me a microphone. Yeah, so, Mike Talks Politics and Elections with Kerry Lake, one of my favorites, next on Huckabee. <laughs>
1: As a former Arizona gubernatorial candidate who was no stranger to the spotlight when she started up her campaign, she spent decades in the mainstream news business as anchor of a network affiliate TV station before leaving it all behind to try to fix the state she loves. The race was decided by about half a percentage point, 17,000 votes. But it may not be the total end of the story. Please welcome to our show in Nashville, Carrie Lake. We've got fans here. Oh, my
5: gosh. You get this adoration every night?
1: I don't get it, but my guests do. Oh, they don't like me, so but much. they love the people that we bring to the theater. How That's many the thing.
5: Arizonans do we have out there? <laughs> Any?
1: We got some here Arizona you. people? Hello.
5: Ah. I see them over there.
1: You know what they're doing? They're all uh, moving to Tennessee, I think. I, well, I'll tell you they're what. They're so frustrated with this election. We're all frustrated with this.
5: Arizona's a red state. We're a conservative state. And to watch our elections be taken like this. And that's why I'm still fighting because I know what I saw on the campaign trail. We saw crowds like this yep. every single day. And the people are so excited and we want to keep our state sane. And I ran against somebody who didn't even get out of her basement. Yeah. So we know um, funny business when we see it. And that's why we're going to continue to fight it in the courts.
1: It, and- it was one of the races that I looked at and followed. And first of all, I'm not just saying because you were here. I've said this to you before. I thought you were the most articulate, forceful... Uh, candidate that I saw in the entire election thank cycle. Thank you so You're much. You were a phenomenal right. candidate. The way that you dealt with the press was so impressive. You weren't, <laughs> you weren't hateful, but you were as good as my daughter in handling the press. And that's that's uh, something for me.
5: Well, I, I'm going to be honest. I learned a thing or two from Sarah Huckabee, okay? Um, she really knew how to handle it. And they can be so nasty. Yeah, I, I, used to get so, I used to get so upset watching them handle your daughter. Yeah. Rude, just rude people. And because I worked 30 years in the media, I know their tricks. And one thing I started doing early on in the campaign, I thought, you know what? I'm going to put the camera on them. And so we would do an interview with them, and Mm -hmm. we would put the camera in the microphone. They would ask a stupid question. They would ask a nasty question. And we would put that out all over the Internet and embarrass them. And I'll tell you what, by the end of the campaign, Governor, they started behaving.
1: So I'm watching this whole race... I'm thinking, well, there's one race I'm sure of, and that's Kerry Lake is going to be governor of Arizona. And, uh, you know, we kind of go to bed that night thinking it's all going to go that way. (laughs) So help us understand what did, in fact, happen.
5: Well, in Arizona, we vote for a month and then we count votes for two weeks until we get the outcome that they want. And (laughs) sadly, this is where we come to. And um, what happened was they knew our people were showing up on Election Day. Seventy-five percent of the voters on Election Day were voting for me. And we know that because that's what the uh, exit polling was showing. Yeah. And they sabotaged Election Day. And Election Day, all of a sudden, the ballot printers were printing out a 19 inch ballot on a 20 inch ballot paper. And that caused the the computers to jam. And it caused people to not have their votes counted. And then we found out they added 25,000 additional votes two days later after Election Day. 300,000 ballots that didn't have chain of custody. We don't know where they came from.
1: So far, it's been a tough slog. And the courts have said, nope, we're not going to take a look at that. It's not that they said you were wrong. They didn't really do the audit. Is that is that a fair assessment well, of
5: what's happened? we sued, and we had 10 counts, and the judge gave... He said, I will listen to two counts. He gave us the two hardest to prove, but we did a great job proving it. I don't know if you followed it. And he ruled against us, unfortunately. So now we're in the appeals court. They've, good news is they've taken it based on merit, and we're going to push it to the Arizona Supreme Court and the U.S. Supreme Court if we have to, because we know we won. And we have to fight this. We have to fight it now.
1: Have the ballots
5: been preserved? Well, we hope they've been preserved. Unfortunately, the two men who run Maricopa County, Maricopa County is a mega county, which it's also a mega county, by the way, but it's also a mega county, which means it's one of those massive counties where if you win that county, the whole state,
4: Mm -hmm. it
5: has to go that way because it's so big. 62% of our population lives in Maricopa County. Wow. And the two men running the election are both Republicans. sadly, but they ran a super PAC raising tens of thousands of dollars to defeat me. And here they are running the election. I'm on the ballot. They didn't want election deniers because I understand what happened in 2020. I did some research and I know that we had a bad election in 2020. We can't keep having stolen elections or we won't have a country much longer.
1: There's something, I think, troubling to all of us when a ballot for electing our leaders is about as secure as getting the publishers' clearinghouse sweepstake in the mail. <laughs> that might be more secure. Well, it might be. You know, the chance that we're going to send it back and get ten million dollars, and a lot of people are scratching their heads, saying, "Is that really an effective way to carry out election integrity?" And obviously, it isn't. My,
5: I have a, a home, um, you know, homeowners association, and our elections for our HOA board are more secure than the elections in Arizona it shouldn't be that way mm. we need secure elections i started voting when in 1988 i'm going to date myself here registered as a republican yeah. because i was so inspired by the president of my youth ronald reagan who uh, grew up about an hour away from me a couple decades apart mind you And I was so inspired by him. I really admired him as a youngster and he was the president um, of my youth. And so he inspired me to register as a Republican. Back then, you voted on election day and you knew the results election night. Mm. This is not impossible. It's not brain surgery. We can do it. And we just need small, uh, uh, small precinct voting and we can do it. We can count that on election night. We don't have to make it so complicated with tens of millions of dollars in machines where we don't know how the machines work. They won't show us the software. We know that the components to these machines are are bought and, and made by our adversaries in China. I mean, imagine that. We're having China build the components to our voting tabulation machines, and they won't tell us how they work. <sighs> it's, it's fraught with fraud, and we need to fix this right now because I want my kids to have a free... Uh, I want them to live in a free America, not in communism.
1: I want you to stick around, Kerry, because we want to talk about the things that are still going on in the country. Okay. And uh, there's a lot happening in Washington. We're going to continue our conversation with Kerry Lake right after the break, so don't you go away. We'll be right back.
0: Still ahead, a splat experience, live painting. Later, Christian music star Tasha Layton performs on Huckabee.
1: Welcome back. We've been talking with the 2022 Republican nominee for the Arizona gubernatorial race, Carrie Lake. Carrie, glad you've stuck around oh, and our audience it. is
0: happy about it as well. Oh my gosh.
5: This um, is not only a good-looking audience, well-behaved and real, they they're really nice, too. They're terrific people. This is Nashville for you, right? We pay them
1: a fortune to sit there oh and be God. this well-behaved. This That's great. what we do.
5: This is great. This
1: show is a whole lot of fun, but one of the things we love to do is to get into conversations with folks like you. I know you've spent your life mostly in Arizona, but obviously when you run for governor, you look at the whole country. Mm -hmm. What scares you the most that you see taking place in America? Something Mm -hmm. motivated you to leave the comfort of a a wonderful job as a TV anchor to throw yourself into politics. What was it that you saw out there and you said, I got to get involved?
5: I walked away from my career of 30 years broadcasting uh, as a journalist because I felt that during COVID there was an agenda being pushed and I really saw it strongly and mm-hmm. I didn't want to be part of putting out half-truths. I'm, I'm a Christian. A half-truth is a lie. A half-truth is a lie, right? Yeah. And there wasn't um, there wasn't an interest to put out the full story, and I started seeing that. And I thought, I don't want to lend my heart and my mouth and my voice to this, so I walked away. An amazing thing happened. I put out a video telling the people why I was leaving, and the people started reaching out to me by the thousands, saying, "Thank you for being honest. We appreciate you. Thank you for covering Arizona. Would you please run for office?" <laughs> and I thought, OK, they must think I'm crazy because I just left the world of fake news. Yeah. And now they want me to go into the even more corrupt world of politics. I don't know whether to love them or hate them. But <laughs> well, I'm glad I you didn't even know it. how to run for office. I had to call the Arizona uh, Republican yeah. uh, office and say, AZGOP, and say, how do you run for office? Yeah. Because there's not really a booklet on how to do it if you're just a citizen stepping forward.
1: And it, it should be easier to run, not harder. But you know what we're seeing? We're seeing more people like you who are not career politicians uh, who, who say, here am I, Lord, send me. And I mean, I think that's one of the most Amen. positive things. We're seeing it at the school board level and city council, and it's beginning to make an impact. So if if you had the magic button that you could push and change the country, what would that button do?
5: Oh, boy. You, well, you know how I feel about the elections. We want to have fair elections, so that would be a real easy one. But I, I really want to see um, what they're doing to our kids change. I mean, we learned so much about what's happening in our schools, and they're going after our kids' minds. Our kids' minds are so malleable. Yeah. You know, they'll you know think of, the, of all the things that kids believe in, and, and, you know, thankfully we have innocence in their minds, and then they go off to school and the things being taught to them. So I wish we could have a really solid, positive education for our kids so that they leave high school, back when I was a kid, you would get an education. If you wanted to get trade skill training, you could actually leave high school ready for a career. And I don't feel we're doing that well no. right now. So that was one of my platform ideas. I'd like to see our border become secure so that we're not having a thousand, millions of people pouring across.
1: And you live in a border state, Arizona. So you see a lot of the impact of people just coming across. We have no idea who they are, why they're here what they're going to do when they get here.
5: And so many of our problems are based on that wide open border. Mm. We have people being smuggled in, uh, trafficked, children being trafficked into God knows what. We have drugs pouring in. Arizona is the fentanyl pipeline for America, and that is not something we're proud of. We've Mm. got to stop that. You know, you look at what fentanyl's doing. It's taking a young generation. I talked to so many moms and dads on the campaign trail. Hardest thing ever is to see a mom grab you and say, I lost my 19-year-old son. Mm. He's gone. And think of what we've accomplished in our lives from the age we were 19 or 20. And a whole generation of young people are being taken because we don't secure our border. And President Trump did a great job with that. Joe Biden came in, not to get too political, but I'm going to get political. Um,
1: Joe Biden. (laughs) I've never done that on the show, not me. He came
5: in on day one within the first 10 minutes and he pulled back a border policy that was working brilliantly. President Trump secured that border. And we need to get back to that. We need to secure the border.
1: We've uh, about run out of time. But the obvious question, are we going to see Kerry Lake on the ballot again, regardless of how this uh, court challenge comes out?
5: Well, my number one priority is to see this court challenge through. I believe, I still, uh, I pray to God, and before this election happened, I had this uneasy feeling, because, I mean, my opponent is in charge of the election. I mean, that's kind of crazy, right? <laughs> and I just had this feeling, an uneasy feeling, and I said, God, it, it's all about you. He put me in this position, this fantastical journey he put me on, and I said, "Whatever has to happen, if it has to go one way or another, I know that it's an I'm I'm putting my life in your hand. This is all in your hands. Mm-hmm. I think more people needed to wake up to what's happening with our election. So I'm going to see this through. We'll take it all the way to the Supreme Court, and we'll see what happens. I don't want to start looking at Plan B because once you take your focus off what's important, then you don't have all of your energy going into that. So I'm going to see this through, and we'll see what happens. But We have a movement in Arizona. This was not some uh, forced thing. This was moms and dads. I called them my mama bears and papa bears and students and grandma bears. And they came out and said, we want to change in Arizona. And that movement is still as strong and powerful today as it was on November 8th. And so we're going to do what we have to do, but we're not letting it go.
1: I have a feeling we are not seeing the last of Carrie Lake and she'll be a spokesperson for the cause that uh, we need in this country. Now, for our audience, if you want to keep up with Carrie Lake on social media, all the links to follow her and the Carrie Lake War Room are in one place for you at Huckabee.tv. Please go there and connect to Carrie Lake and find out how you can uh, keep connecting with her. Speaking of connecting, Keith is over there. He's desperately connecting to all of us to tell us what's coming up next.
0: Keith, it's all yours. Well, get ready for an amazing performance by Splat Experience. It's straight ahead on Huckabee. the USA mugs, t-shirts, and more. All
1: right, this next performance is gonna be one of the most unusual we have ever had on the show. Since 2002, this ministry has created a unique form of artwork in nearly 1,400 live performances to bring the message of Christ to people all over the world. Now, I'm not gonna to try to describe it. You just have to see it. Please welcome Splat Experience.
3: like nothing else. I've
1: That's pretty amazing, right? Wow. Right before our eyes, he takes this black canvas, and the next thing you know, we have an amazing portrait of Jesus. I know why they now call it the splat experience. You know, I was sitting over there saying, I hope he doesn't sling that paint all over. Uh, Trey wanted to shake your hand. He really did. So if you'll. <laughs> it's great to have you here. Is that. I think I'll wave at you. Yeah. Uh, forget it. Okay. Let's pretend there's COVID everywhere.
6: Yeah.
1: Mark. This is Mark Eckel, And he is splat experience. Give him a big hand. I love that you had the hoodie on so that you don't get pain all over your head. Yeah. But
6: what a journey. You started as an illustrator for. General Motors. Yeah, I worked in the auto industry. I was from Detroit. So I worked for Ford, Nissan, GM. Yeah. And, and uh, what did you do, draw pictures of cars and stuff? For the, oh, a lot uh, of different creative art stuff and yeah? different things. For, how did this start? You know, um, I've been an artist my whole life. I started really young. Yeah. And uh, one day, a lady in our church came up to me and she says, Mark, I hear you're an artist. I said, yeah. She goes, how would you like to come up with something that comes to life in front of the church? I said, sure, what do you mean? She says, we have an eight-foot canvas, you have three minutes, and instantly I felt regret. (laughs) Yeah. So I kind of walked away from that. Two years later, we were in a small country church in Indiana, where we moved, and one day the pastor came up to me, and he says, Mark, I hear you're an artist. How would you like to come up with something that comes to life in front of the church? Yeah. And I heard God say, I asked you to do this, and you walked away, and I'm asking you again. And that was in 2002. And then we started the Ministry of Splat experience there. And you do also smaller
1: ones. I mean, that's a pretty large thing. but you I got a a little
6: gift here for you. My hands are... But uh, we do canvas prints. Oh, that's Uh, gorgeous. Beautiful. And so
1: these are the ones that people can get through your website. Right. uh, A lot of people
6: can't have an eight-footer in their house. Yeah. (laughs) So we decided to do smaller things. And our, our hopes is that people take these portraits of Jesus And they use them to talk about who Jesus is and what he's done for them and just share their faith through this image. It's a wonderful, wonderful ministry. We're so glad to have
1: Mark Eccle here with Splat Experience. If you'd like to learn more about Splat Experience or maybe book a performance for your church or your event or get smaller prints like the ones I'm holding for the inspiring artwork. If you go to Huckabee.tv, we're going to do something. We're going to connect you. Right now, Keith, why don't you paint us a word picture of what's still to come? Uh, How long have I got here?
0: Christian music Tasha Layton talks to Mike and performs with Frey and the band next on Huckabee. for Fortune 500 comedian Dino Posey and country legend Clint Black.
1: You know, I'm just sitting here chatting with our next guest, and she brought this up, and I thought it was brilliant. She said, that guy David Letterman that used to be on, and he had this great band, and she said those guys are better than the Paul Schaefer orchestra. I agree. Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. Thank you. David Letterman would still be on TV if he'd had Trey yeah. Corley in the Music City yeah. Connection. Well, tonight's musical guest is one of the hottest young performers in Christian music. She first came to attention on American Idol. Since then she's twice been named one of Billboard's top 5 female Christian artist of the year. Her debut album, How Far, released just last year. I want you to give a big welcome to Tasha Layton. Tasha, welcome. Oh,
7: thank you, guys. Thank you so much. You you say all those nice things, and I just want to turn around like, No, it's you.
1: It is you. (laughs) You know, just hearing you in rehearsal, I'm thinking, wow, no wonder You've had such a meteoric career, and you have. You toured for a while with Katy Perry.
7: I did, I did. And, you know, it was such a great experience. I think everything the Lord has called me to do now, I feel like I got a master class in a lot of those things, touring with Katy. And when I stepped into what God had called me to do, I didn't have any distractions because I knew how to use in-air monitors and, <laughs> and walk on a slippery stage, you know? Like, uh, there were so many little details that at the time I didn't know that the Lord was using that to prepare me for what he had called me to do. And, you know, I think for for a lot of people out there, it's like, God, what are you doing? How are you going to bring all this together? You don't always know. And man, he's working while you're waiting.
1: What has the Lord done? Because there's some moments that are dark and difficult for you because we see you now with the joy and the excitement, but there have been some tough Tough times.
7: Yeah, I think, you know, for years I walked through depression, uh, church hurt, mm. um, feeling so alone, trying to create a self that wouldn't be rejected. And my hope is that everything I do, whether it's music or books or whatever, that people can feel that same freedom. I think I left Colorado going, oh, I wish everyone could feel this free and this loved by God if we only knew how much He loved us. It would change everything.
1: It would. Of course it would.
7: When you, when you know, thinks about you and, and, and how he's caring for you and working all things together for your good, even in the shut doors, you know, and the path that feels crooked. He's actually made straight. And I think we doubt that. And so I hope that through my music and the books and everything, that's, that's really what people capture.
1: You obviously feel that so many things were preparation, but there came a point that God said, Tasha, I want you to sing for me my songs. And he gave you the gift to write them? Yeah. So it wasn't that he re- you, you or he rejected the pathway, American Idol, the Katy Perry experience and all that. It was just to prepare you for what he ultimately called you to do. Did yeah. you ever think, eh, I don't know if I want to do that? And, and thought about just...
7: Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I well, think I- when I got done... With Katie, my time with Katie, I thought, I don't want to be an artist. And, and no offense to Katie, I love Katie. And she's so loyal, and I would defend her to anybody. But uh, a lot of artists are narcissists, you know? Like, yeah. there's a reason they're famous, because they have that deep psychological need to be noticed. And so I think I bucked up against being an artist for so long. And honestly, it was my husband who sat me down and said, Tasha... You are bucking up against God's will for your life. And so I, I realized that I really was doing
1: this. Mm. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm glad you're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Me too. You know why? Me because too. <laughs> this entire audience and all the folks at home are about to find out why we are so excited that you are here tonight because mm. we're going to have you do some music for us. Of course we are. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So, Keith Bilberry, while we get ready to perform. I'd like for you to tell our viewers how they can hear more of the music of
0: Tasha Layton. Head to Huckabee.tv for links to pre-order her book, Look What You've Done. Get her music, tour dates, and more. You can also watch an exclusive performance of her hit, How Far, while you're there. Now, performing her number one song, Look What You've Done, with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with Mike on bass, here's Tasha Layton.
7: what you've done How could you fall so far You should be ashamed of yourself So I was ashamed of myself The lies I believe They got some roots they run deep I let them take a hold of my life I let them take control of my life I'm Standing in your presence Lord, I can feel you digging all the so I feel you healing all my wounds So all I can say is hallelujah Suddenly all the shame is gone. I thought I was too broken. Now I see you were breaking new ground inside of me Standing in your presence, Lord, I can feel you digging all the roots up